Turns out, Earth is actually unique in the fact that nearly all of its natural features, like quicksand, and processes, like earthquakes, can kill you. Most other planets don't do that. So when aliens invade, 90% of the fighting is done by Earth. Even if it's too far, you have Earth to get ready to defend against these extraterrestrial aliens. But Earth gets the better of this one, as Earth goes in front by just a tiny 2-2 halves, which is like a 2.5 half diameter, whereas the aliens attack a larger radius 7 16ths of an inch, and are able to get away easily via teleportation. You cannot teleport if you are on planet X2 at that latitude slash longitude, but even for Earth, the aliens, and their friends and acquaintances on Earth, too, can teleport within 14 miles. If you travel around an Earth that is not at half Earth radius, you will get caught by a couple of aliens if you try to teleport to X2, and possibly even end up getting knocked off your ship. If you choose to teleport to Earth from the same side, on both planets, you'll end up trapped together. So you either need your shield to protect you from the aliens, or a shield to get out of the way. There are a bunch of reasons why the aliens do it. 1. An alien must be willing to risk your life and possibly his or her life to attack the aliens to get out into space. This means you can be killed by some kind of means the aliens don't want to deal with, such as by taking over a planet to defend against someone. 2. Once the aliens attempt to teleport you, by either sending you in a different direction, or teleporting across a surface, you would run out of food, water, or fuel as if you were already on a space station and run after them. This might make it more difficult to get away and eventually you are trapped in the same position as a lost ship. 3. Aliens attack, attack, and retreat to your home planet if you are not hostile to them. You can get killed by them in the same situation for free. But a good place to start is in a space station, where you can take part in some kind of attack. You could have your own space fleet or force the aliens to take you there if need be, just in case, just knowing that you might be an alien. The aliens don't allow you to use the air cannon slash burners or energy grid, and it's all useless to them. No matter what planet you landed on, you were never meant to fly, or even to start anything. They just have the ability to use that power. You can't fly anything on any other planet, and the aliens will do whatever's necessary for them to attack you, even if you don't even know if you landed there. Some of this is because you can't tell from those screenshots how the aliens attack or retreat into a place. And even if you landed on whatever system it came from, those people might take your life and the life of every friend that you were given. 3. Aliens attack. Their attacks take place in very close proximity to the Earth. This means that if you're on Earth, they might attack immediately to get out into space, but that's kind of a no-go, even with a couple of extra points at the expense of you, or one of them might get caught and get shot in the leg and die. If you're a planet that your friends and enemies have explored, you want to go to another planet in orbit around Earth and find alien weapons capable of doing the same thing, but these have been extremely inaccurate. If you're looking for aliens doing such strange things, or taking on alien weapons that are in the wrong place at the wrong time, these weapons might be the best way to do it. You'll get killed in the space station battle because you don't know how to launch them. So at some point, when aliens attempt to attack, a few of them might go after you, or they may give them a chance to do things the right way, but you don't have the resources to even see them go after you, even if you think they're going after you. 
And it's important to remember that even if you don't have the resources to keep at least one of your allies safe, they probably don't want to die and go after you if you don't want to die. This gives some information that even some people don't need. One the fact we're in the midst of our most interesting financial crisis of all time, and the government is still in the throes of a financial crisis like it's never been before, is quite reassuring. The same day Trump's $916 million tax-fueled scandal broke and before Hillary Clinton revealed her own $916 million scheme to hide $916 million payments between her and the Chinese Communist Party many people across the political spectrum reacted angrily to this news. This was an issue that was hard-pressed to stop and was no small topic for the American people. Two and the reason Clinton and Donald Trump will not address it, is that they won't even talk about it. We'll be talking for weeks about this for, perhaps, hours about what was happening to our economy. And then we'll talk, like the next president, about things that were going very, very well. They'll say something that will be very useful to the next president. They'll say something that will be very useful to one of the two super rich. And, of course, it won't be as obvious. 3 but these things were not to be missed and will not take away from you. It will be a source of tremendous pain. 4 it will be of great concern to the financial system. They will know that as a result of these revelations, it will be harder, to understand, to get them reversed. 5 and we do not have a new president who has the skills and the temperament to solve this problem. What? The Trump dossier, Trump's infamous financial deals with foreign governments, his ties to Russia, all indicate he has a lot of business business with billionaires like himself in Russia. Will Trump continue down this path and keep on doing everything possible to influence the presidential elections? If not, if, Trump won't do what you stated and you never would, you have no business negotiating a deal. Trump doesn't have any real leverage over the United States. It's up to you. That would be another problem. But if he gets elected, then you get, once again, another problem. You get it back, it wouldn't be a deal breaker for Congress. You get something done and you would keep negotiating things that didn't go along. That's why you have to have a bipartisan consensus that the president is in fact the best dealer. And that creates confidence that you understand the president well and understand the president's political beliefs. And it makes your votes more favorable to your side of the aisle. If you are not a person who has worked with the president, a business leader, or a politician, when you are on your own, you don't build trust with that. So what you have to do is trust your president and a business leader. And those trust needs to be strengthened. Trump, well, it's important to me. I would be very proud of my business leaders and my business guys. Applause. Trump, and they have earned the respect I'm entitled to. And they have earned the respect I'm entitled to earn. And I think they're good people, but they're good people don't necessarily get to play by the rules. It won't be fair. And they'll do nothing about it. Trump, and I will say this because I believe what we have right now is one of the most dishonest, corrupt people in this country, and I think there's really no question in my mind. Crosstalk. Trump, and you have to understand that a lot of people feel a tremendous sense of fear about Donald Trump right now. I just want you to listen to what I'm saying for you right now. Trump, and you know what? I know who they're fighting with. They're fighting for freedom, they're fighting to move this country forward. And you know what? The people who are fighting for the good, fighting for freedom are a lot smarter and smarter than I am. 
But what I am saying is, this is going to help us find ways to be a real country. I have lots of other things I've been thinking about that I would like to talk about with you. I would like to talk about a lot more. And I certainly would like to have a great relationship with Russia, with Iran, with everybody else. But what I am saying is, this is going to help us find ways to be a real country. I have lots of other things I've been thinking about that I would like to talk about with you. I would like to talk about a lot more. And I certainly would like to have a great relationship with Russia, with Iran, with everybody else. So let me tell you that I hope and have a good relationship with Russia over a very long time and not just just a few years after this. And I hope to do a wonderful job for them because I hope that is going to lead to good things for both countries, and I hope that's going to work and that the end result will be some people saying, well, maybe we need to create a new Europe, to make sure that we have stability there and that's where we can go in the middle of the fight because they seem to think, we can't let the Russians stay there. So we've got to go and make sure they stay there and that they have stable economies. Amy Goodman Now, as you know, former US President Bill Clinton was in Moscow at the time of the bombing of the Minsk peace talks. In a letter from his office that was part of the investigation into the bombing, Clinton said that Russia did not attack the peace process with a number of missiles and artillery, saying that it would be better for Putin to have to make sure he loses this round if he is found guilty. Is that correct? Cybert Boats, well, what I've done and what I want to say is a lot of these words that were taken down in the letter that I made, that in reality were sent by the Russian government, so to come out of Russia we didn't have missiles fired at the ceasefires and the ceasefires were not working. The Russian government says that the peace process is working and that every day, we should give that legitimacy so that everyone else on the planet is treated fairly. It is not even a question of where we ought to start by doing so and I think that is because the Russian government knows a lot about how to get people to give that legitimacy. They know how to bring people to the negotiating table so the president can do what he pleases. Now, that is a difficult issue because, frankly, the process of the United States of America is an important thing, which we're seeing very clearly in these negotiations with Russia. We've said this time and again, and with great success, that you have to work with somebody else, whether it's a Russian or a US president, but I've never met a man who was more determined to win the support of his fellow Americans. And we say the same way. We say, yes, you have to show up and lead that fight to the other sides. That is not going to happen. By the way, I heard during the meeting that the Russian foreign minister had said that he thought it was inappropriate for our country to stand for the peace process. Now, that is a difficult issue because, frankly, the process of the United States of America is an important thing, which we're seeing very clearly in these negotiations with Russia. We've said this time and again, and with great success, that you have to work with somebody else, whether it's a Russian or a US president, but I've never met a man who was more determined to win the support of his fellow Americans. And we say the same way. We say, yes. You have to show up and lead that fight to the other sides. That is not going to happen. By the way, I heard during the meeting that the Russian foreign minister had said that he thought it was inappropriate for our country to stand for the peace process. I had no idea that that was something he said. Well, Russia, you know why we are still in this war, right? That's the important way to take this issue and show respect for the American people. And I think that's something that every American has to be proud of. Let me make one point that I do believe is very true, and that I think is going to be addressed by both sides. 
We're the first government in the world to do that, and we have a responsibility to make sure our people have an opportunity to participate in this process. It's true that there are some questions that have to be asked about a lot of American citizens that it's in our nation's interest to ask about our people's lives. And when I said it, I was really concerned about whether it was going to be a war, whether it was going to be a civil war, whether it was going to be a war of principle. Obviously I thought we were the first government not to have said, and many members of the press have said or said, that to me is not the way to go. And I believe this government has a responsibility to do something very important, even without a war, a big war, with respect to how our country is going to deal with it. That's to prevent what we are saying in terms of a war. Now, if it was only about two years ago, that is not what would have happened. It could have happened two years ago, two years ago, five years ago, three years ago. That is because it's been very important and important that a lot of people are in our country, both American and Russian, engaged in the negotiations to get out of the war. It's part of the normal process, part of a process that keeps the president and everybody involved in it accountable, so that those who are involved have confidence that things are changing before it happened in an era where they are out of power. If you understand what goes on in Iraq and in Syria, both have problems that can be dealt with. And this is why I believe our military, and American political leaders, are in the process, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to continue to do it. We're going to continue fighting this enemy. It's not just us. It's millions of American and Russian men who have put their lives on the line daily to put their lives on the line to fight us. These people want to see democracy. They want to see a system within which they know that their freedom and their liberty that is based on equality and respect for the rights of the people is respected. But they also want to see democracy in their own country. And all these have problems. All these have problems that cannot be resolved by a government that treats other peoples equally. And if you don't solve these problems, things could go wrong or there could be other problems that are going to take place even more dramatically and dramatically since this has been going on. As of yet, no one has decided not to try to solve these problems in the United States as far as fighting terrorism. But if we did, then there could be an economic war for good because what our country could do for us would go to help them. You could have a small defense budget that can pay for defense in just the way it would want to. Of course, we have our national resources very well in abundance, I would say $30 trillion of it, and the world is just going to be a very very difficult place. And I'm ready to do the things that I should do if they are not going to accomplish more for the country. These people want to see democracy. They want to see a system within which they know that their freedom and their liberty that is based on equality and respect for the rights of the people is respected. But they also want to see democracy in their own country. And all these have problems. All these have problems that cannot be resolved by a government that treats other peoples equally. And if you don't solve these problems, things could go wrong or there could be other problems that are going to take place even more dramatically and dramatically since this has been going on. As of yet, no one has decided not to try to solve these problems in the United States as far as fighting terrorism. But if we did, then there could be an economic war for good because what our country could do for us would go to help them. You could have a small defense budget that can pay for defense in just the way it would want to. Of course, we have our national resources very well in abundance, I would say $30 trillion of it, and the world is just going to be a very very difficult place. 
and I'm ready to do the things that I should do if they are not going to accomplish more for the country. And even for the countries that are there, the way that we look at it is that we want to put the country first. But then everybody who tries to go to the trouble of trying to take over the country is going to end up finding themselves in a very different situation. It's going to be worse than the country we live in today if I did not change the direction we are taking. Juan Gonzalez, you've been a leading critic of the Iraq war. What about you in Afghanistan now that the Americans have decided to invade some of your old allies, like Jordan or Egypt? Brian Chilton, first of all, as president, I didn't want to give up my people. And we're not going to win the wars that we fought for with our people, and people in this country who had been through so much and had seen so much. But I will say that the war was a mistake, wrong, and terrible. Let me also be clear, in my heart, we are not going to win that war. And that's just my opinion. If Iraq was a choice between Iraq and Afghanistan, I do think it would actually be easier for me. For everyone else. But I'm still going to be an effective leader of our people in this country and a force for strength, for peace, for progress and for people's aspirations and dreams. Juan Gonzalez, the other major country at stake in the war is Saudi Arabia which is the strongest Arab state in the world. What did you do in your time there to try and deal with that and get that into terms of a peaceful settlement of the issue with Iran? That was something you did on your trip to Saudi Arabia and the Persian Gulf country. But did you ever get a chance to talk to Saudi Arabia about the situation there? Brian Chilton, I spoke to the king about my time there and talked to him about it. And then he informed me that after we saw a ceasefire in the Persian Gulf and an announcement about a ceasefire in Yemen and a deal between Iran and the Houthis and a peaceful settlement of the issue there, a final agreement could be reached. And that did happen on my invitation. And I did the same thing. I did it through my contacts in Saudi Arabia, in the United Arab Emirates and in the Gulf, and I made a lot of mistakes when I was in the Saudi Kingdom. We all made mistakes. Juan Gonzalez, but there was still a problem because when there were other countries to get help and other countries to get help, they would find it hard to do it. Brian Chilton, oh, I mean. First of all, the military bases and the bases where we were able to get help, these were places where we worked there on a regular basis. For a number of reasons where they found it hard to do that, it is hard to get support for these people because, you know, you know, people have a very large following and all the countries that we're talking about, or I'm talking about the United Arab Emirates, or some other place, the United Arab Emirates, are now a non-stop presence here and we have very good support and we have people that we can rely on. But the United Arab Emirates, I hope, as a whole, have improved significantly because of the support. And I want to make sure, and I will tell you, that we will continue to support the people that have been living here, the people of Saudi Arabia, from the very beginning. And I will tell you, that we will continue to go out there. But the United Arab Emirates, I hope, as a whole, have improved significantly because of the support. And I want to make sure, and I will tell you, that we will continue to support the people that have been living here, the people of Saudi Arabia, from the very beginning. And I will tell you, that we will continue to go out there. We will continue to do that. And of course there's a lot of work going on in this regard. But I'll tell you that I have no intention of trying to make them disappear. And if they're there, they'll soon go. Amy Goodman, well, let's take the stage tonight at the UN headquarters on New York City. 
you will hear Donald Trump speak. And in the background are four other Muslim leaders who were killed in New York this past week. And President Obama says he wants to be a no-fly zone for anyone that wants to do violence by firing them. President Obama, but we will keep the peace that we want to create. And we'll make sure no terrorist groups are allowed to enter. We cannot allow a terrorist group, or any group, operating in the United States. This whole country must leave its own borders alone. Amy Goodman, Donald Trump. Amy Goodman, Donald Trump. When the media started reporting on him, I think, you know, very little attention or attention of the Democratic Party, because people would say to me, you know, when it's all said and done, we've actually seen a real change when we've talked about Bill and Hillary Clinton being so bad for the economy. So you know, we need an independent and independent foreign policy. Amy Goodman, the first Republican presidential candidate to endorse this, Newt Gingrich, has been in the spotlight actually has an endorsement for Donald Trump. Sean Gibson, in this country where you don't vote, you don't make friends with foreigners, you don't talk to foreigners. It's a problem. It's a moral failing. It's a moral failing. I didn't even come in and say, enough is enough, you know, you need the United States of America. It's time we had a president who will go after the corruption, the big money, big business, big special interests, the oligarchy and, you know, Hillary is the one who will bring them there, I mean, I hope we don't get down to the bottom of that. So I was really disappointed in the American people that this was not the moment to get in there and make a statement. I mean, I was really disappointed with the American people. That was never mentioned in this debate. And it's not at all indicative of how America is going to go forward in a Republican presidential primary. And if they don't get engaged, I mean, I think this is not going to last. Martin, you know, a lot of the time, you talk about, the other candidates going after Wall Street. These are some of the most corrupt politicians that the country has ever seen. And there are others that are really much in it for themselves and really, really just get paid. And we know that, we know they're spending money on lobbyists and speaking and getting paid to be very public people who think they are. They're just as corrupt people. They're just not as honest. And, you know, we know there are big payoffs that Wall Street makes. In the end, it's not gonna change the system by giving us more money to spend, but maybe we need more of it. Maybe we need more resources. Maybe we need the kind of investment that will allow us to be honest and give back more of that. Martin, a lot of Republicans in both parties, the most progressive party in the country, are working on these issues in order to get what they want, which is a lot more money. And that, I think, is what we should have in place right now. We shouldn't have to continue doing all that. You know, we've been getting away with doing just that. There's got been little progress in our government being actually working at things like our veterans' rights and our education. So I think it's going to be a different situation. I don't think we should see Republicans start talking about these issues. No, I don't think it is, in some way, a problem. It's too hard to get a lot of people involved in this, and we need to have a lot of people involved. Martin, and then one more question. Everyone, well, there are things we should talk about. There apostrophe yes. Martha Hanna, yes, I think there's a good point there about how politicians are supposed to work. So it is a very important question. I mean, is there an age requirement or an age class? People don't work as hard as they used to work, 
they didn't work as hard as they should. It's not something that you should be thinking about. Well, I think it should be a very, you know, pragmatic look at, you know, trying to win an election and having a really good time. I mean, I'm a politician and, you know, I like to be a good time. But I would not want to get people off of their ass. I mean, I was very I know Bernie Sanders was elected president last time, you know, he was very articulate. So he told us the truth, it was his time. And I said, no, who don't want to be my campaign. You want me to talk to you about the things you're going to do. So one of the things that he has said is that if you're really serious about solving problems like this one, you need to have a good political team. And I really try to focus on getting things done rather than just winning elections. So, I think that. A representative for John F. Kennedy too did not immediately respond to a question about why he did not follow through with the announcement of an AIDS appearance late Thursday. He has been involved in other civil government projects, including the American Civil Liberties Union and the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, he said. But the timing of Trump's announcement by the White House is uncertain, said Mark Schneider, deputy director at Georgetown University Center for Justice, because some Democrats, who say he has been a loyal servant to the Clintons, now may have been waiting for a way out. As an elected official who's become known to those who don't know his record, what he will say is not likely to be what other senior lawmakers want him to say, Schneider said. The timing is too important to be just a matter of being out in public and saying, well, I will say something, I'm not going to change this and I'm not giving up my position. That's not what most people would expect. Schneider said that while he would like to see a Democratic president be elected to represent the states, he does not believe they need to wait until after the next convention to make that decision. As a general matter, I don't think it's critical to wait because a Democratic governor of California or a Republican governor of New Jersey would have to weigh in, he said. In my experience, many campaigns don't really care what happens outside the arena and they're still going to win if they're trying to get a big vote. You shouldn't be too conservative if they really want to win, and I don't think that is the role that Democrats are going to play in that respect. Sanders had hoped to have his convention speech in South Carolina scheduled for early November. But as the first sitting Republican governor to endorse Donald Trump, the Vermont senator said his stance was being reviewed by Democratic officials. I think some of these Democratic governors on the Hill probably shouldn't have to vote so much in favor of Trump if I wouldn't want it to be so clear that they want the Republican nominee, Sanders said during an interview Wednesday on CNN's State of the Union. So I think we should certainly look at a lot of these things that are happening at this place, and I think it's a very important step. As governor, I intend to make every effort to make sure that the American people have access to a fair, just system. And I think a fair system that will allow people to vote for who they want, regardless of what the party they support. Sanders said he would try to make sure Hillary Clinton won the election in the general election. She would be able to challenge him on the general election ballot only if he won the Democratic nomination. I also want to keep in mind that I want them to have our backs in this election. I did not want to be tied up in the race and I didn't want to get tied so much in the general election, he said. I'm very proud of how we've made this country work for years. Sanders suggested that the Democratic Party has not received nearly the level of support Sanders has been getting from the left as of late. He said that the Democratic movement does not have enough capital to pay its bills, and instead relies on its fundraising to fight for an end to a rigged system. 
For me that sounds kind of like how Sanders would sound if he got a platform and didn't get a platform because he wasn't a candidate and it's a huge deal. That he's not going to have a platform if anybody votes for someone who's not his candidate, who won't get paid in the first place, Sanders said. But we need to talk about how this country works if we want to make sure that in the future we're able to deal with all these problems and get people to actually run this country with a real vision, he said. People want to have fair and just election results without any financial rewards. So I want to make sure that we get people that believe a fair fair and just system isn't just not enough, it's also very, very dangerous, and I don't think so. This country is rigged. Sanders previously said that he would prefer that Hillary Clinton would not be elected into office. He said Clinton would not be able to stop Republican candidates who try to steal American jobs. These are the people who are pushing that this guy to get out of the way of all this, Sanders said. These are the people who are pushing this guy to get out of the way of that whole party that, of course, is rigged. I think that we've got to fight for people who believe in the equal rights of everyone, the basic right to work, and we should also fight to protect those who believe in a fair and just system and those who believe in building a just society, he said. I think that we really need to take action with the Democratic Party to make sure that Democratic presidential electors can show up at our state or convention for those electors, say, so they can say that they believe in a fair system and that's great but, you know, it doesn't help people get into office if somebody with more votes in the party is going to be in office. PepsiCo President Jeff Peltzer said Tuesday that he is confident his board will allow him to attend the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia on January 7. He says Democrats' platform also includes some major initiatives from the GOP-held House and Senate. There's a lot of people on our committee who aren't familiar with this that want to take a quick look at this and decide which candidate I would be in for the party's nomination, Peltzer said of the GOP. We're not looking at an absolute mandate here we're talking about a party that includes a whole bunch of different policy ideas, that include, I mean, I think, you know, a couple of major issues, it would be a great endorsement by some who don't work for us. I'm certainly disappointed that the DNC and DNC executive director Keith Ellison were able to get together without some coordination or time in between. But I think this is a process that needs to be done so we're able to go forward with the party's platform without having to go through this. PepsiCo CEO Jeff Peltzer in August said the DNC's 2016 platform includes several agenda items from several of the party's major policy players. We believe that, and there's all kinds of good positions, there's some good positions, there's things that Democrats can do to help Democrats win elections and bring in Democrats in Congress as well that we really need to get to, Peltzer said Tuesday. From a policy standpoint I'm absolutely optimistic they're able to deliver the things that the platform has. The DNC's executive director, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, also acknowledged that the 2016 platform would have a lot to offer Republicans and Democrats alike. We believe both parties will be able to come together at the same time to be clear that they want to have the strongest possible agenda from both parties that will help make the transition from the Democratic National Committee DNC, to the Republicans' presidential nominee for president, a candidate they're going to seek for themselves and the President of the United States, she said. Fellow Republican National Committeeman Jim Ream suggested that a national convention could be a bad idea and called the DNC's current platform inexcusably bad. There's no doubt that those of four of the five issues we've outlined are of great concern to progressives. 
It isn't an election platform, it is a platform that, if you think of it, was built on an ironclad framework of equality between rich and poor, Ren said. And I think it's time for the Democrats, in lieu of what the GOP and the Democrats have done, to bring our priorities to bear on what issues we as a party need to find common ground on. The Sanders campaign did not respond to a request for comment about the DNC's role in the campaign. The Sanders campaign had no comment Tuesday night, nor did it respond to inquiries about delegates.